0: Can you hear me breathe? Oh, sweet. Your little your little icon goes up and it goes down. Uh, <laughs>
1: focus on the triangle. The triangle is now expanding out into a pentagon. And it now <laughs> retracts back and follow it along. Breathe in, breathe out. Hey everybody, welcome to the Almost Good Podcast. I am J. David Osborne. That is David James Keaton. The men with very similar first names. Uh, here to talk to you about all the latest and greatest and almost good in in film, and also d- they like to complain about social media. That's kind of our brand, I think. That is that
0: is us, and we do it from a from a comfortable position.
1: Yeah, I asked I asked Dave on the phone today. I was like, "Dude, when you're when you're recording this, see, like right now, I can hear some shuffling around. I can I can hear some <laughs> like like how are you recording this? I'm like, is the computer on your chest? Are you just like laying on the couch? <laughs> With like, I picture one arm back, like, one... one, one just... Like just all the, all the double chins and like looking looking at the computer, you know? And he's like, yo, that's, uh, that's a hundred percent what I do. That is. I'm
0: essentially, I'm in the position that Liv Liv Tyler was in in Armageddon when Ben Affleck was doing a little dance with the animal crackers on her stomach. You're, you're basically the animal crackers on my stomach. This, this, this computer is nestled in a nice jungle of chest hair.
1: (laughs) Dude, I got called out recently for having chest hair, which is weird. My, my, i had my what? i had my polo shirt on i was at work and like the top button was unbuttoned and everybody's like oh look at mr chest hair and i was like wait a minute can you can you guys grow <laughs> chest hair and they were both like no and i'm like oh so we just got a couple of haters around here
0: we That's got the, all of a
1: sudden we got a real man walking around in here and uh That's,
0: you're like that that line in Met, uh, metropolitan when they're they don't have a driver's license because they want to rent a car. And the one guy's like, well, wait, you don't have a driver's license. And the guy's like, I'm no jock.
1: He's <laughs> <laughs> like that, but with chest hair. So I want to talk well, about chest- something. First, First, I got a complaint right off the bat. I, yes. I got something I want to complain about. I don't think we've talked about it on the show yet. Um, okay. I want to talk about how much I get scolded online. Uh, um, we,
0: we've we've talked about that nine times, but proceed. <laughs> have we talked? Have
1: we talked about this specific one, though?
0: Um, probably not. I mean, there might be a new one, but we always talk about people scolding us on social media.
1: Did I talk about the person who scolded me for the, for the, for the joke about Haruki Murakami's book?
0: No, no, okay. I haven't, I've not heard about this one. Usually you get scolded for, uh, Kanye West and weightlifting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wait, oh, weightlifting is huge. Okay. I can start with that one. So I posted a muscle pic the other day because there's, you know, I have to sit through reams and reams of papers worth of people talking about uh, not even signing contracts or getting agents, but just being like, I had an email exchange with an agent. Looks like things are finally looking up, you know? (laughs) And I, I used to be a dick about that kind of thing. And then I sort of thought, you know what? It's all sad. Everybody's sad, but it's almost sadder to get mad about that kind of thing than to just just let it happen, you know? So I don't say shit anymore when people do the humble brags or the, the, the brags that are – it's like it's stuff that you're happy about, but nobody else really cares. Like signing a contract, for
0: instance, you know? Right, and they're 30% inflated bullshit. That's yeah. the problem is it's – it used to be the victory lap would drive me crazy, and now the it's the fake victory lap. Mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. pe- people like shaking their own hand – and and I just keep thinking when you if and when you do blow up, you realize that you faked it for so long that no one's gonna enjoy it. Because... Well I've seen
1: I've seen Victory Laps where people have had like a night a person has has said something nice about their book and then they have to do that embarrassing thing where they also while they're bragging, they have to explain who the person is, like why you should care that they said <laughs> right. something nice. They're like, Oh, also this was a guy who was he, he Michael Michael Bean was in Terminator and uh, he said that he liked um, the cover of one of my books, and so yeah. you know finally made or,
0: it. That's that's actually more impressive than the the latest. I keep seeing people. Uh, have you seen the spontaneous? I, look, somebody's reading my book pick, Mm-mm. and and it's like okay, let's break this down. Who exactly did you hand that book to to open that book? <laughs> Sometimes it'll be a famous person, and you're like, that poor famous fucker thought they were going to the Autorama to sign. You know, like Slater. From Saved by the Bell sign of pictures, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Can you hold my, can you hold my shitty crime book up and open it? Yeah. Like you're reading it, and then they take a picture, and like Slater's reading my book. <laughs> like, okay, okay, that's that's bad enough. But sometimes they're right. in the work, they're in the workplace, and they're like, oh, somebody's reading my book. It's, it's like, like you walked over to a customer and gave them your book. Are you kidding me? The audacity of these people. But so I put up with all that.
1: But so my version of that, because I suck at writing and never produce anything. Is that now I go to the gym a lot, so now I have like a nice body. So I just post pictures of my body. You know, that's my version of that. It's like look at look at what is keeping me from killing myself. Look, check it out. Um, <laughs> and people like people see that though. They see like the muscles and whatever, and they're like, "Fuck you, fuck this guy, fuck him." You know, like they get really really mad about it. So I talked about how uh, Gabino had given me a piece of advice, because I remember the first time I met Gabino Iglesias, he was, he just had a big, like, glass of milk, just, he was just walking around (laughs) a party with milk, and he was like, yeah, man, milk is, milk is for men, or whatever, um, first time I I met him, he was reading my book,
0: Woo how (laughs) about that, how about that,
1: how about that, but, like, no, but, uh, so, so he was like, yeah, man, if you want to, like, really put on mass, you know, drinking a lot of milk is good, because it's casein protein, and, you look at a gallon of milk there's like 130 grams of protein in that thing so i mean that's why there's this thing called GOMAD, which is a gallon of milk a day science is still out as to whether it's necessarily a good thing or not but so i post i'm like hey i started drinking a bunch of milk and the like the very first comment i get is from somebody <laughs> who's like like oh, homogenized milk will kill you you'll die and i'm like i i don't think that that's true at all and then somebody Somebody else comments and is like, "If you drink a gallon of milk a day, you're a fucking dumbass." And this is a person. This is a person who I've never met. I just like I'm starting to get a little bit more cagey with who I accept as a friend. or co- – I used to just accept everybody, but that's what ends up happening is people who I kind of innocuously accepted years ago they they've said nothing on my page, they've added nothing to my life, but one day it's like it's like falling down. You know what I mean? They just they're they're yeah. stuck in traffic. And they, they get out, and I'm the McDonald's that they walk into, right? Exactly. And yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I'm going to fuck this guy up. So there's <laughs> that. And then, like, right after that, the, you know how there's that bad sex in fiction award or whatever? Yes, like, yes. I got I got schooled for that, too. Well, it's like uh, Haruki Murakami wrote this book called – I don't remember what it's called. But he's nominated, right? And there's – in the scene, and in the article that I read about the scene, because I didn't read the fucking book. Uh, the character just talks about how, like, he just, he can't stop coming, right? He just keeps nutting, like, all this cum is coming out. And so I tweeted something to the effect of, as a fellow horny person, I, I, I identify with Haruki Murakami's character who just can't stop
0: nutting, uh, (laughs) And, the, and one the, of the, the red, the red phone started ringing. <laughs> so, <laughs> somebody, somebody pops up immediately. We and like, got one.
1: They were like rape. That's a rape scene. He's raping her in that scene. And then somebody else chimes in like, yeah. And then he beats her. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I didn't know that. Obviously I didn't know that. Second of all, I will make sure to apologize to that fictional character. <laughs> I'm really sorry that I did not respect a fictional character's trauma. Um, but anyway, it's just – it's well, ridiculous. No, like people this, people this, see me post and they're like, I'm going to fuck this dude up. Like he, he well, clearly is this, an asshole. Let
0: me break that down a little bit, that, that uh, bad sex incident. Because I had a similar, um, a similar thing where I had made fun of it um, in a different way. I forget, but I did post a link to the Guardian article that had the clips from it. And uh, I saw people running aground, so I thought, let me look at the context of this scene because yeah,
1: uh-huh.
0: if you post anything from it, you're going to get there's going to be the pile on saying you realize that's rape. So, um, so I looked up the scene. It's in Google Books. You can read the whole three pages of that scene,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, you know I won't uh, bore you with the details, but it turns out it's a dream. Mm. So that also adds a layer to it because now you have. Not only was it already a weird zone because it was the perception of the incident through the eyes Mm -hmm. of a male psycho or, you know, sexual deviant. So it's going to be channeled through that lens. It's also a dream sequence. Um, And so I don't know what happens later in the book or before the book, but Mm -hmm. it made me start thinking of here we got a fictional character. And here you've got a scene, which is gross, but it's the product of like a diseased mind. Mm -hmm so it likely means that no matter what's happening that the character is the character who it's happening to is channeled through that lens and through let's give let's say for the sake of argument the author is also into that shit or whatever sure. whatever perversity let's say he loves it mm-hmm. so the fictional character that he invents to endure it i'm sorry but they're also they've they kind of have given consent because they're the product of the mind of a psychopath who would only make somebody who would give consent in. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Does that yeah. make any sense? I know I'm talking in
0: circles. And also, yeah, who are you? But like, there's always this talk of don't kink shame. That's you're down the rabbit hole of a couple levels of what's clearly the kink of this author. I guess he's nominated every year. This yeah. dude is nominated for the Bad Sex Awards. Mm-hmm. So to claim that is rape. It's like, isn't there a real rape happening somewhere that we're actually
1: like focus on? Yeah. no, it reminds me of the scene in reservoir dogs where Harvey Keitel says, you shoot me in a dream. You better wake up and apologize. (laughs) It's like, if you, if you accidentally make light of a scene that you didn't know was rape, that took place in a character's dream. Oh, by the way, it's in a book. So it was written by somebody. None of it's real. You still, you better go online and apologize.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's idiotic. And I mean, of course, of course we, the author doesn't necessarily, we talked about this before the author doesn't get to interpret how we interpret it. Mm -mm. And somebody who reads that as a rape scene is they're totally valid. Sure. They, they get to interpret it that way, but you can't put the authority in the hands of any individual reader any more than you can put the authority in the hands of the author because it's an interpretive work happening. You know, there's, it has everything and nothing to do with us. Mm -hmm. If that may, if that makes any sense. So people can, interpret that scene any way they want but to tell you to interpret it that way it's like fuck off
1: yeah fuck off for sure and it's also just you know i i the the person who was scolding me three years ago was not a person who was scolding we'll just say that you know what i mean it's like <laughs> oh. i was just like just the time yeah. they, they have a change
0: <laughs> it was the, yeah it was the 90s when i was Sending pictures of my testicles to all my male friends. My right. male friends, mind you. Right. right. friends. Oh
1: yeah. Could you remember like before the age of iPhones and stuff? Like we'd have like a Polaroid camera, and we, my friends and I, had this thing going on where we would take pictures of our shits and just like hide <laughs> them so that we'd find <laughs> pictures of each other's shits. Like that's pretty. Uh, was... it's, it's pretty violating, and it feels pretty gross. But we also actually violated each other constantly. Like whether it was with our dicks or with, with whatever like goosing or like (laughs) slapping each other on the ass or, you know, sometimes dudes would be like, seriously, stop. Like, don't touch my ass. Even one more time. You'd be like, you mean don't get crabby and you make the little crab claws and like start trying to pinch (laughs) their buns and stuff. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah. It
0: was was dark days, dude. I took a picture of somebody on the toilet when I was an undergrad and then made copies of the picture and put it under people's windshield wipers. (laughs) And I, and I, it said like, who have you seen this man? And he's like, he's like, that is not even funny. I mean, that's it is and I'm funny though. and of course now it's that's actually criminal. Like, yeah. what was I doing? It's like, well, I was alive in 1991, right, and that's right. and we were we horrible, you know, animals and people no.
1: do not understand that this all happened, kind of around 2009, but it really hit the gas in in 2016. This is a brand new thing, this like kind of hyper. Yeah this hyperconservatism amongst liberal people
0: dude, dude, I've told you this since we're down the rabbit hole of all these Let's confessions. Go. I've told you I think I've told you in person that the, the, in the age before the cell phones, you know, I'm I'm a child of the 80s that I used to call up my friends and I used to smack my penis against the phone <laughs> and I'd say what is this? What do you think this is? And they'd be like, "Dave, if you call us one more time" <laughs> That is so disgusting. I'm like, what's? I'm like, what is, what is that? What is that? Do you know what that is? I mean, I'm not saying that that's I invented dick pic, but but I was but I was trying to. I was trying with with what technology I had. There's I like
1: that was the fire. That the... was the caveman rubbing sticks together versus the fucking. <laughs>
0: two of those it was two guys that i used to torture with that they're both lawyers now you know ironically they could sue my ass but they just be like don't answer the phone and and this is before call waiting so they couldn't answer the phone all night because i'd be like hey what is that?" (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's a classic bit that's a good bit oh man but yeah no i think that all that stuff well dave do you have anything in particular that you want to rant about before we hop into this film we're still talking social media because I can. We can. can, we can. I mean, we talk. We can whatever, whatever is
0: well, here's the, this Well, this is a uh, this is pretty petty. You know, that's my that's my mo. It's my wheelhouse. Sure. I have a gripe when I don't know. You you gotta love people on social media who chat more freely with those they perceive as successful as themselves. Yes. So I, I mean, why? I don't know why this bothers me so much, but I just every time I see it, it's just amazing how common these exchanges are. Like, these dudes are like, "Hey, buddy, looks like we're book buddies. Congrats on your book deal, my friend." And you know, meanwhile, you see some poor tool shows up in their in their comments, and it's asked some fanboy type question Mm -hmm. on their page, and they get fucking iced out. You know, it's like, ah. You're so fucking gross. Like you, you just happen to. What is the connection here? You just happen to have this interesting connection with this person that you perceive as like being famous, like you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it drives me up a fucking wall. I mean, it, it doesn't. It probably doesn't even make sense when I say that. No, it out loud. a subset
1: of that, I think, is for me. I'm friends on Twitter with a few people who are pretty well known, I guess, especially in their own communities or whatever. The thing that drives me crazy is I'll do a post, and if that more famous person comments on it, something like, ha-ha, that ha-ha will get, like, 150 likes. Them saying (laughs) ha-ha to my tweet. And my poor little uh, naked-in-the-cold, shivering-ass tweet is just sitting there with, like, three or four (laughs) likes, but them going ha-ha... And it's and it that that's all it is. It's just people being like, "Ooh, ooh, teacher, teacher, look at me, look at me, look at me." I like what that, you did, and,
0: but that's a and that's I think human nature of trying to get the attention of someone that you want to impress. Uh, this one mine's like a lateral move that drives me nuts.
1: Yeah, yeah. You your, know, yours is yours is more like well, you. Just, I think that what you're identifying is something that I notice too, and it just, and it's human nature. So. It sucks, but it's never going I mean, to go away. But, I mean, it, but it it's, is, just, yeah. it's just trying it's like, to to say like, hey, you and me, we're the same. But then there's these plebs that we don't have to interact with.
0: Yeah. Right? And it's, you know, people always talk about don't punch down. But, um, <laughs> you know, the reverse of that is like people never want to joke down. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't they don't want to bother with such a thing. And it's and then that means that as it as the jokes go up, they get more and more diluted until it's just the most inane shit. Right. That people are just fawning over. And so it just turns into nothing.
1: Well, that reminds me of like the fat Jew. You remember the fat Jew? Yeah, he was ripping off people, yeah, right? He, well, but he was yeah, ripping yeah. them off. He was basically screenshotting their stuff. And then when you talk <laughs> about things getting more and more diluted as they go up, this was a guy who had millions of followers, probably still does have millions of followers on Instagram. And his comment he would add commentary to the joke that already existed. So it would be like a screenshot of the joke. And then it would be the fat Jew saying something like, ha ha, I know that's right.
0: Oh, my God. He should be in Leavenworth for that. <laughs> that is such a violation.
1: You should be put into a cannon and just shot into the sky, basically. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's that's the thing. It's, I mean, you're right. It is human nature. It, it kind of reminds me. It reminds me of my brother-in-law. You remember uh, we actually tried to write a sequel to his. He made that movie, Two Dead to Kill. Yes. Number, number two dead, number two kill. Yeah. Uh, it's it's actually on Amazon Prime. Um, got the, it has the guy from Barton Fink in it, mm. dude from Sopranos. But uh, the idea was he went there to make this movie and he used hundred thousand dollars of his own movie when he went uh, to L.A. to do it. And they said if if this movie makes two hundred thousand, uh, and this is you know filtered through his middle of the night conversation, so it might not be accurate. But they said, okay, you got a hundred grand. If this movie makes a profit of another hundred grand, meaning you know we'll put something in and you double your profit then next time we'll give you 300 grand. And then if that makes a profit, you double that, we'll throw a million at you. It's if like, you being, make a of... it's like yeah. being a drug dealer. Literally it's like being a drug dealer. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And you'll just keep leveling up. And if you, because when he got there, he knew he was talking to the, uh, um, he was like on the Paramount lot, talking to some guy who knew Mark Wahlberg. He's like, well, I want to talk to him. And mm. he goes, um, I'm sorry, but Mark Wahlberg will not fuck with you until you level up to that you know, they, it's not like they're looking to discover some hungry young artist. It's like they're not going to fuck with you until you flipped that, uh, you, f- you flipped that thing four times until mm. you've gotten up to that status. Mm. And the guy said, but you know, d- don't, don't get me wrong. He's real nice, but he won't fuck with you until you climb a little higher on the Which ladder. Sense. And, and, and I can see how it's, it keeps the, you know, the, uh, the barbarians at the gate. Sure. <laughs> but it also, uh, you know, it's also kind of gross because it's—it's it's like it, it keeps. By the time you do get up to that level, you've diluted the joke and you've diluted everything to this. Um, I don't even know what I'm well, saying. No, you know,
1: you, you're, you you focus grouped everything until you can be sure yes. that you that you're going to double your money, right. right? So it's not the people who make it through that system are not the people who are taking chances because you can't really. The whole thing is a gamble, so you can't double gamble. You can't be like mm-hmm. you know. It's like the difference between betting on black and like betting on a specific right, number. Right. You know what I mean? It's like you have sure, to sure. You, you have to just kind of. So it makes sense in a way, but it is also gross because what you're saying, and I agree with this, is like that's why everything sucks because it's that's like it sucks, nobody will take same... a risk on anything. It's like you know, Krasinski will make a quiet place, an extremely mediocre film, but it makes a ton of money. Now he gets right. to do another one. Now and then another and then another. But there's dudes out there i mean camera technology is so amazing right now um you can go on Dude, Vi- you can go on you're... vimeo and you can watch like oh, people absolutely. who have who have 300 followers who have made these incredible short films right. and they just Dude, they, got, they're, they're like us man they can't get they can't pull themselves right. out of this you thing
0: can't, you can't get to that you can't have that conversation it's like we didn't wasn't it francis ford coppola's quote he said somewhere in ohio there's a uh, five-year-old girl with a video camera, and she'll be the next uh, Stanley Kubrick. Um, what he didn't understand is there would be a billion of them, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and right. and, and probably you know half are amazing. Who knows? Like we just got a baby monitor, mm. and I'm and I'm been looking at that thing, and I'm like, this is more technology that, that was in the fucking Apollo Eleven space program. I want to make a movie with this fucking baby monitor immediately, because yeah, right. I would never thought I would have a camera in my house that I could you can record hours of because you know you're supposed to bust the fucking nanny for shaking your baby to death or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can record all this content on this little screen. I'm thinking I can make a fucking movie with yeah. this with this with this thirty dollar baby monitor well, I can para- make. a movie.
1: Paranormal activity, dude. I mean that's right. that was basically oh, yeah. that. I mean, and it's you know, and it's one of those things too, there is a mentality though, and I'm not saying these people are wrong. I mean they're obviously right because this is the way Hollywood works, but I was talking to a friend of mine who she had just directed her first film and it did pretty well. It had some, some buzz about it, and I was like, so I was talking to her. I was like, why don't you just go make another one? And she was like, oh no no no, that's not how this works at all. (laughs) And she was talking about getting finance. She lives in LA. She's She's talking about getting financing and going through all these proper channels. And of course, that just sets my teeth on edge, even though. And this is why I will be forever alone, forever unsuccessful. Because I like, <laughs> I hear that and I'm like, no, just go do it. And it's like, mm, yeah, no, that's not how you. <laughs> that's not how you win at all. Like how you win is by working within the system, and you you try to just, you try to get as much of yourself into the project as you can. But you're playing this game, and there's no way to not play that game, right?
0: Mm, yeah. But I still don't
1: buy it, man. I mean, the dude made the tangerine on the iPhone. Right. Yeah. That was a great movie. Good A, cr- shit. a crew of 3 people plus actors.
0: Like look uh, I'd rather see a movie that was filmed on an iPhone than a fucking Marvel movie where 200 million went into it to look like ass. Can we talk about how
1: everybody hates it when you bring this up? And it's like we <laughs> talk about like I watched I, lost, I, I lost saw the three, previews for five, Into fi- the Spider-Verse.
0: Yeah, five people unfriended me for making fun of that dog shit.
1: I was like, I saw the trailer for End of the Spider-Verse. You know, could be good, but I get so secondhand embarrassed, right? That like other grown-ass <laughs> men are just like, I'm going to go watch the new Spider-Man film. You know what I mean? And they're so – it's, there's nothing that nerd culture loves more than something, something being both good, but good enough to validate their inner – impulses to revert to infancy, right? Yeah. So it's like well, something I, I, being I, good I, is good, but if something can be good and also let you play with toys,
0: it's better. <laughs> that's, that's the, the <laughs> listeners. Any, any listeners left should know that all, pretty much all night I send Osborne here, Facebook messages, but the, he has the, the standing instruction not to respond to them. What, what's happening is it keeps me from posting things. Mm-hmm. So his messenger is filled with me, just like a, a screenshot of a Twitter page where somebody has a paragraph of love for the new Spider-Man Spider Verse movie, and me saying "grow up," <laughs> just like shit like that. Because I would post that nonstop every day if I didn't do it. To the point where, like, uh, a- 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 Amy sees all this um, energy going towards talking to you on the phone, talking to you in the podcast, mm-hmm. texting you in the middle of the night. And she's like, "Is." is there a bad influence thing happening here? And I was thinking, does she think you're a bad influence? Because I'm a nonstop campaign of negativity towards you that where you should be cutting me loose. Like the negative energy that I put out that I channel through – it's almost like in Firestarter where mm-hmm. she, you know, she has, she's looking at the blocks and she burns shit. And then they keep a bucket of water nearby so she can look at it and put the fire out so that she doesn't nuke the planet. Right. Essentially, I keep – you're the bucket of water I keep looking at until it boils and boils and boils and then it goes away. And it, I'm just saying if you were smart, you would not open any message I send you. Well, I do open for, them.
1: And I also have – I have about I would say probably seven or eight PALs who I call on a pretty regular rotation, that is, but that's my therapy, right? And so So you got a
0: lot of buckets. You got your own buckets.
1: I got a ton of buckets, man. And if you, if anybody's brave enough to go look back through all my Facebook stuff, you will see post after post after post of me ranting and raving and just, you know, trying to articulate ideas that for the most part, people on Facebook are like, I just came here to suck dick and sell books, man. I don't know what you're talking about, (laughs) but it's like, Thankfully, having this podcast, having uh, the JDO show, and also just having friends that I can have because pri- whoo the private conversations. If you think we get blue in the podcast, <laughs> oh man, the private conversations are just yeah. Absolute- if we did that
0: on the podcast, it would be grand opening, grand closing, <laughs> grand
1: opening and grand. But it's fucking therapy, <laughs> dude. You know, I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe we should. I don't know. Getting therapists seems a little trendy right now. I feel like it's it's probably better to just call your bros up and be like, "Did you see this fucking bullshit?" And then bro
0: de- bro dependency is that a word? De-
1: <laughs> we're bro de- we're bro dependent. We're bro, bro dependent. That's right. That's I'm, right. I'm not
0: even gonna Google it. I, I made it up. But it's but it's one, it's bro. one of
1: those things where the negativity though I think very importantly the negativity is never directed really towards each other. Like we'll make fun of each other every once in a while, but we're not. None of that, all that negativity is directed outwards. So it just feels like you have a fucking compadre in this, in this battle that you're fighting, right? Where nobody, (laughs) nobody else will listen to you. You know what I mean? It's just like,
0: I don't know who anybody's talking to anymore. I just, every time there's a comment like that or the, 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 to get back to your whole point about scolding every time somebody posts something like that, I just think like I earlier this week, I, posted something I think it was on Twitter about um, I'd overheard a conversation between students where one of them said uh, who as was asking who Roman Polanski was. And the other students said he's in Rush Hour 3. And I uh, well, that was amazing to me because obviously, you know, it makes me feel superior, like new generation doesn't know who Roman Polanski is. But they also kind of won up to me because he is in Rush Hour 3. Is he, he really? A, he has a cameo in it. So that's kind of crazy. So you know, I was talking about it on Twitter or whatever, and somebody, of course, is like, you know, you realize uh, Roman Polanski is still a rapist. Like, yes, of course. And it just makes, and it, and it's like, who is your information for? Right. There is no one left who has any knowledge about film who doesn't know Polanski was a piece of shit. And if you haven't convinced someone not to watch *Rosemary's Baby* by now, you never will. Never so will. So who, nope. who the fuck are you talking to? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It
1: doesn't well that's the thing, man. They're not talking to anybody. They're just they that that act itself, the act of shaming, that's how they're getting off in that moment. Like that's literally all it is. They're telling you that you're a bad boy. And they're yeah, just they, like,
0: Oh, you're not even know. You're so bad. Like, have how do they know I have not ranted about Roman Polanski in the past and have. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, it's just, it's like, oh ooh, I got one. I got one.
1: And it's like – and it's so stupid. Uh, it's like, oh, what? You can't mention things anymore? You know what I mean? It's like it's – Yeah, they're gone. they got
0: to go away forever. You can't mention it. You can't talk about it. Right, right. I told you it's fine. Some fucking dingbat deleted me because I said I was going to go see the new Terry Gilliam movie. Mm-hmm. And that was the fucking line in the sand. You cannot say that you can't acknowledge Terry Gilliam because he said something sexist in an interview once. The dude, what is he, 112? It's something he, like that, yeah. Well, he's going to say something sexist. It's like Clint Eastwood. You can't go see a Clint Eastwood movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's insane. Yes, he's probably a crazy old racist now. He also made The Unforgiven. He also made Dirty Harry. He was also the equivalent of what you'd consider a liberal back in San Francisco mm-hmm. in the fucking 70s. I challenge anyone to figure out what's happening in Dirty Harry. Is it fascist? Oh. Is it anti-fascist? No one knows, you well, know what I'm saying? And, and you can't and it's also like these these liberal people who would be like, "I don't
1: watch uh Clint Eastwood films because he said something" uh problematic and he's a he's a racist. But it's like but at the same time their posts will all be like, yes. Hillary Clinton should be president. Barack Obama was a great president, and when you're like, you do realize that those people authorized the uh, the murders of of children, right? Like those are those are child killers. It's like, well, but, politics but is complicated. Can, politics but, is complicated.
0: Yeah, and also we can have I can have a conversation about that, but I'm not. I'm having a conversation about movies right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talk about those things in my real life. I come onto fucking Facebook to talk about movies mm-hmm. to keep my sanity. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, probably ten years ago, I was arguing with every single person I could find. Those days I have to put aside because it makes me insane. So instead, I'm just like, hey, did you see the new Clint Eastwood movie? And instead, they want to talk about that shit. It's like – Come to my house and we'll talk about it. I talk about it every fucking Thanksgiving with family members. You know what I mean? Right. What do you want right. to talk about? You don't want to talk about it. Is the thing they just want to score points with whoever they think is paying attention to their little performance. You know. Anyway. Anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's close to talking about movies. We should talk about movies. Yeah, let's move into that because if you want but,
1: to talk about somebody who rants on Facebook, my man <laughs> Paul Schrader is is an all time great. Got banned from. Facebook for, what the hell did he do again? He got he got into it once. He was like, he was calling for somebody's head. Let me look this up. Hold on. Do you want to kind of give a yeah, capsule but, capsule I'll summary capsule. of First Reformed while I look this up? First
0: Reform. Well, what I could do is we could, uh, at your request, I went back and watched Dog Eat Dog last night. Oh, perfect. So that we had a couple more things to talk about. Um,
1: Isn't it perfect? That, like I- when you say, hey, dude, watch this movie, like two weeks later, I'm like, I saw it. And me, I'm like, dude, you should check out Dog Eat Dog. And it's like, and then like five <laughs> I, minutes later, you're like, I saw
0: it, I watched it, it's good. I, I main, I mainline it. <laughs> I immediately mainline it. Uh, so yeah, it was. Uh, and plus, I'm up all hours now, so I I watched it, and um, I see why. Uh, you know, what was it, five, six years ago when it came out, I can see why I didn't want to watch it at the time. It makes no sense now, but at the time. I was in the mood for I, I guess I was neck deep in realism. I was really into like Australian realism and their crime movies, um, you know, like Animal Kingdom and, uh, you know, or um, I, what was the other one I was watching? The one where the guy's killing a bunch of kangaroos, not Wake and Fright, but the new one. About the living next door to a killer. Anyway, it's hyper realism, right? Yeah. Australians are great at that. Yeah. So I I turned on Doggy Dog. Everybody's watching it, and I guess I thought, you know, I'm a huge fan of Paul Schrader. I loved uh, uh was The Affliction was probably the last one I saw of his. So I guess I thought I was more I was going to get some melodrama and I was going to get some some gritty midwestern realism, mm-hmm. and I and I got some kind of candy colored technicolored. It's kind of like a Oliver Stone knockoff starting out and I'm like where am I at yeah. and you know props to the to the old dude for you know switching up his style but I thought man I do not want to watch what I'm looking at that was years ago right. so this time around I knew what I was in for and that that hyper uh, uh, colorful Dutch angled Oliver Stone stuff seems to only happen around the dog character more than anything mm-hmm. although there is some some foggy dream sequences with Nicolas Cage and the movie's a mess, but it's a, it's an ambitious, it's ugly little thing. Isn't it?
1: Dude. you know that's, that's again, like my, my number one criteria for liking movies now is like how fucking mean is it? Right. And uh doggy dog is very mean. It's a super mean movie.
0: I must've missed what happened to the baby. They kidnapped. I was the whole time. I was thinking they're going to kill the fucking baby, but they just forgot about the movie. Just didn't give a shit about it.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember to be honest. Um
0: have you read did you read Eddie Bunker's book or his no, no. Uh, animal, animal Factory not to be confused with Animal Kingdom the Australian movie but yes. um and terrible American series that's very watchable What's the though.
1: deal with that they made a, a TV show about Animal Kingdom the weirdest thing But they turn, they turned
0: it then. into but they turned it into Point Break it's actually very watchable mm-hmm. It's it's really lunk-headed mm-hmm. but imagine a a, a, a Southern California surfer gang <laughs> okay. and but and then across with Animal Kingdom the sort of the matriarchy the scary grandma mm-hmm. it's it's kind of cool but it's dumb <laughs> uh, Yeah,
1: well she was the best part of the movie that,
0: and, that... She was, and she was she's probably the Helen or what's her name Ellen Ellen what's her name she was in uh, Big Easy Ellen something you know who she she's blonde yeah. mm-hmm I want to say Birkin, Merkin, Birkin. Ellen Merkin, <laughs> Ellen Merkin. The, she's a pubic wig. Yes. but Yeah. But it's anyway, long story short, uh, it's um, I don't even know what I was saying about. Uh, animal- dog, oh, yeah. Ed, Dougie, oh. Ed, Eddie Bunker. Yeah. So Eddie Bunker, I don't know if any if everybody out there knows who he is. He was a former uh, he was an ex-con writer. Kind of the like the guy who uh, Norman Mailer famously wrote um, executioner song based on. Except that guy got out of jail and probably killed someone and went back to jail and never had a career that was realized. Whereas Eddie Bunker got out of jail and wrote some crime fiction that has been turned into some stuff. Mm-hmm. Short, short time. The Dustin Hoffman movie and uh, Animal Factory, which is uh, directed by Steve Buscemi, I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's a gritty prison movie. Good. It's really good mickey works in dragon as i recall nope and uh then dog eat dog which was a book that was bouncing around in the 90s as one of those um you know you gotta read it kind of things and then eddie bunker got famous for being in reservoir dogs so it felt like kind of a tarantino knockoff like people didn't know oh, he's that guy oh okay yeah, he's, mr. he's mr blue mr blue yeah so yeah, he okay. wrote it okay wrote got the it. book so the, while I'm watching it, I was thinking, I wonder what the book is like. The book is probably what I thought I was going to get six or seven years ago when I started watching it. And now it's gone through the, the, uh, the Oliver Stone kaleidoscope for some reason and filtered through it. I guess a screenwriter who put some dreamy shit in there. I guess it's not necessarily in the book. But anyway, dog eat dog. I, uh, it was worth watching. You know, it
1: was interesting to me that one character who who seemed to have all of his lines overdubbed that threw me off through the whole. Oh, thing. yeah.
0: I was convinced that they had just hired him for his big fucking knucklehead face. Mm-hmm. But, then, but then later in the movie, he he's definitely talking and it really is his voice. For some reason, he has a smooth Jersey Shore voice. And that's what was throwing you off. Wait, that's, that, the... that's
1: his real voice.
0: Yes, but they—you're right—that they overdubbed it. They actually overdubbed a lot of those hotel scenes, apparently, because I used to close caption, so I can tell when it's a different audio. Okay, and I and I thought they're gonna dub this guy the whole time because he can't. They must have hired him for his look, mm-hmm. but then later in the movie, I realized that he's—he's he's got kind of this uh, this sort of Jersey short thing, like oh, you down the fuck. <laughs> it's like it doesn't—it doesn't suit his. You look at him and you think he's going to be like Mongo.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Or like Vin Diesel or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, totally. But,
0: but he had a different voice. Interesting. Yeah, so... Yeah, Will, but Willem Dafoe, yeah, he chewed it up. He chewed up his that character scene.
1: was so good. So good. You know, he's just... He's so like this perfect balance between... Actually, I don't know if perfect balance is the way to put it. That's probably the wrong... Because nothing in this movie is perfectly balanced, right? Um, but he, he goes from, you know, this kind of childlike wonder to just like being this insane psycho and he's the thing is is that he has the face for that anytime willem dafoe is not playing some kind of like psycho killer that's a waste of a face dude because that's, yeah, that's what and, he looks
0: like and schrader knew that he put him he has him studying his own face which is how many uh, that's a oh the acid thing right like where yeah, it's all melting through, and shit yeah. yeah that's through the matrix there you know that's like it made me a little uneasy <laughs> Like, oh, did did that director say, Mr. Mister Schre- Mr., Mr. Defoe, you're freaky looking. Let's take advantage of that.
1: He's got to know. I mean, at this point, he's seen at himself point, on screen he... enough to be like, oh, I get what's going on here. <laughs> They're hiring me because I'm ugly.
0: <laughs> That's like, that reminds me, last night I watched the fucking Deadpool 2, mm. um, and uh, there's a moment in it where... They uh, set loose all the mutants from some mutant uh, rehab facility. Uh. So, there, so there's all these mutants in these jumpsuits, and they're all streaming out the out the door, right? Mm. And because they don't have time to establish powers or what they do or character names, they just want people that you would think you'd look at them and say, that's a mutant superhero, but um, we're not going to spend any time on it. So I said to Amy, I'm like, imagine the casting call. So they're like, we because there was a there was a there was a little person and there was a guy with a yeah. fucked up face and there was a guy missing an arm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, did you does the casting call say, hey, are you fucked up looking? Would we would we would love to put you in an X Men film so you can sell your soul, right, right, I mean, right. It, I mean, what are you, we're not even going to give you a superpower. Right. We, we're not even going to justify it by saying he looks fucked up because, you know, later he bursts into flames or he turns into a porcupine or, or a blob. Instead, it's just, no, we just need people who look or, funny.
1: Think about it this way. <laughs> think, about, think about Gone Baby Gone. Think about the guy who plays the oh, child yeah. molester in that. Think about this guy has probably been in LA. He's one of these dudes who's been there forever. He's <laughs> trying to make it work. And he finally, he's like, he calls his mother on the phone. He's like, mom. I got the big role. I got the big role. I'm breaking out. She's like, "Oh, I'm so happy for you." Like, oh, what are you gonna? Do? Like, what's well. your li- What's your line? My line is, "He
0: was dead when I got here." <laughs> <laughs> so you have Alex. to know,
1: like you have, like, but that guy, if if he's savvy, he has to know. But I think a lot of people in LA are so disillusioned and are not even disillusioned. They're um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Delusional—that's the
0: word I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. It's what's funny about *Gone Baby Gone* is um, you remember the beginning? It shows Boston, like the real Boston, and here's uh-huh. here's a bunch of people who look funny, uh, the real the real America. Uh-huh. And and uh, I give Ben Affleck credit for doing that. What's hilarious is he he took a couple of those people that he got off the street essentially, and he put them in the movie. And one of them has a very distinct look, where she looks a bit like the lead actress in the movie, but as if her face was turning inside out yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, it turns out she's a good actress, but, yeah. but very striking looking. Right. Right. So she gets a lot of lines and she has some of the funniest lines in that movie where it kind of like, you kind of send me, you think you're better than me. Mm-hmm. And it rings very true. Right. It's like, man, I want to see a whole movie with her. Well, poor Ben Affleck. She's in jail because she's an actual drug addict. She's an actual drug addict, and she, like, robbed somebody. She basically did something like the plot of the movie. Well,
1: that's like like Snoop in uh, The Wire. Snoop spent a long time in jail, I think, on, like, a – assault or maybe even like an accessory to murder charge or oh, whatever oh the chick with a nail gun that's amazing yeah yeah she because she was a real she was a real like baltimore badass right who was actually doing that kind of shit and that that's what happens with these people whenever harmony corinne is really good at that like harmony corinne is good at finding the really strange looking people uh mm-hmm. and like actually giving them space to breathe that was a little bit Upset, actually, in Spring Breakers, he didn't. He had hired these two like albino twins to be Franco's mm-hmm. like side guys, and they're barely in the movie. But yeah. it's like, but those that's so like those are the. Like, I, I read an interview with them, and they're just they're these this Florida trash dude who just like got hired like they they smoke they smoke weed and sell drugs all day and then they get hired to be in a movie it's like but those are the actors that i want to see you know yeah
0: because they bring something to it like in, i've said this before and a good the best actors they got to be kind of stupid because you're making you're making them do they're like puppets so they got to be like it's like a contradiction they got to be good at it mm-hmm. but they got to kind of be idiots like yeah. look at look at brad Pitt, who's amazing. All indications seem to point to right. he's not, he's not bright. Right. And, and, that, and De Niro, love Robert De Niro, probably not very bright.
1: Right.
0: And he doesn't, well, he was in, he was in fucking Rocky and look at, look at uh, all these actors, like late career things where they don't care they're anymore. Pay, they're paying, they're paying for boats. What you they,
1: mean? they just don't care. It's like, no, you were never really that like smart. Every, you were good, but
0: not smart. Yeah. Um, every so, every so often you get a smart one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like probably Daniel Day-Lewis that sure. accepts and approves the rule and they just uh it's like they take over the entire um the the entirety of Tinseltown you know is that he does what he wants
1: you know to, I, I saw, I've I've mentioned it kid, once it, it, already I mentioned it once already but just to kind of go back to the uh the weird actor thing you know the Florida Project did that which was a episode I yeah, believe she was, two oh, she was or three so she was two. so good but like most of the cast in that movie was the kids not... were good Kids not are professional never actors, And that was also Willem Dafoe. It's like, Hey, we need a weird looking guy to play the <laughs> superintendent, but he has to be a real actor. Cause he's got some tough stuff. He's got to carry a lot of like long tracking shots and yeah. you know, stuff like that. So we need, we need one real professional actor to carry a lot of this shit.
0: But he's gotta look like a, just a fucking goblin. Like he's gonna look... <laughs> He's like, I'm your man <laughs> Puts pulls on his suspenders with no shirt. I'm your man Snaps him like <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Where you going, Willem? It's like, Oh Papa got a job in the coal mines, honey. Like <laughs> I'll be back soon. <laughs> well let's let's pump Ooh. let's pump the brakes real fast. I have oh, to yeah. go I have to take a quick break and then uh We'll be right back with uh, first, first reform soon. Yeah. Hello. Yep. All right. There we go. It was good timing too. My dog freaked out. Um,
0: I was talking to her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, and we're back. I think we should put an ad there. I think we should get ads. That'd be cool, you right?
0: You could leave me talking to the dog in there. <laughs>
1: All right, so first performed. I found the, uh, the Paul Schrader thing. Apparently when Trump got elected, Paul Schrader got a call, or a visit rather, from the NYPD because on Facebook he posted um, that the Trump presidency was a call to violence and suggested that we should be willing to take arms like old John Brown and then uh, a lot of people asked him about it he was like yeah i had a few too many cocktails uh, <laughs> i think he used oh he used the he said he said he took a half an ambien too so he he pulled a roseanne there you know like he kind of kind of yeah. wasn't really wasn't really in his right mind
0: whatever but he, but he did some kung fu and got out of it cuz he made his what people are calling the best movies of his career
1: ah uh, i this is the almost good podcast so again like i don't want to get too effusive here but it's a fucking great movie man
0: it's just so good
1: um, it's good
0: it's good i've got some i've got a lot of stuff i want to talk about with it it um i'll
1: let you take the word uh, it's but
0: be- no i was just gonna say it's better than dog eat dog it uh, is but Doggy dog eat dog is definitely worth watching but this um this is good this is good in a different way this is it's, it's kind of an ice cold movie too. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I liked that a lot. I, like I said, I'm a big fan of affliction. Um, I don't know. Do, do you think the listeners know Schrader's, uh, oeuvre was he, he did, uh, he, he's famous for writing taxi driver and raging bull and working with Scorsese, um, his own movies, uh, a little more eclectic, right? Mm-hmm. Affliction's the big one. Um, the big one for me, uh, but what else did he do?
1: He did uh, the uh, the that Brett Easton Ellis one. What was that one called? I can't so, even remember. Uh, um, I want to say
0: like the canyons. The, you're right.
1: You're 100 percent right. It was the canyons. And that for that one, <clears throat> I told you this on the phone. I couldn't get through that one because James Dean, the the porn star who they got to play the the male role. The like the very first <laughs> scene is him pontificating in a very uh, Brett Ellis way about this, that, and the other. But he's he is such a fucking terrible actor that i i couldn't get through it i just no, I, couldn't I don't do want
0: to i don't want to you know i don't want to look down on on the porn industry but maybe that's why he he didn't make it as an actor that's, maybe, maybe that's best. why he, he turned to he turned to sex on camera when, well
1: the man knows how to fuck so i mean there's that but <laughs> the, but act maybe not so much you know what i mean it's like maybe if point. he was just there to sling some but, wiener that would but be but does cool.
0: that does that mean that he's the most amazing actor in the porn industry is like, (laughs) like if you're, if you're just kind of, if you're just bad, but you're in a Paul Schrader movie, Mm -hmm. you've, that's gotta be some clout when, you know, when whoever you're acting with is, you know, some shit bag. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, there was a lot going on with that movie too. I don't want to, I don't want to shit too much on that. I know that that there was there was some troubles with that one. So I mean, that one's kind of an anomaly. But for the most part, Schrader has pretty much killed it. Like pretty much. But I haven't seen Affliction. I don't know if oh. I've heard about it. Like what? Like what is Affliction?
0: Affliction, um, in a nutshell, it's. Uh, uh, first of all, the casting is perfect. Nick Nolte and, um, oh, what that motherfucker's name? Oh, shit, I'm blanking. Nick Nolte and the big fucking dude who's in a lot of Westerns uh, was in Point Blank. Lee Marvin. Wait, okay. no. No, wait. Hold on. I'm to Google.
1: Do it. Should... Google it. This oh. is the part of the show when Dave Googles the actors he does not know.
0: <laughs> Affliction, Nick Nolte and his daddy. Hmm. Is connection a little slow here? A little slow. James <laughs> James Coburn. James Coburn. Oh, James Coburn. Okay, got gotcha. you. Yeah. So, so the casting is perfect. Like they're nose to nose a lot of the time and fighting each other in the movie, and mm-hmm. they do all sorts of manly shit. Like Nick Nolte rips a tooth that's bothering him out of his face with some pliers. I mean, it's a love it. it it's some good shit, and it, basically, it's about there's two brothers. Willem Dafoe is uh, is kind of a writer type, kind of weird casting there, but that's fine. And uh, he he's narrating about the time my brother went crazy, and his brother is this huge burly cop named Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and it starts off with him just trying to convince his daughter to stay for a Halloween party because he has his daughter for the weekend. And he wants to get to, you know, he wants to be a good dad. And the daughter clearly hates him. Mm -hmm. And he gets more and more stressed about it. And he's cracking beers in the truck. And she's cold and miserable and wants to go home to her mom. And you just see him like unraveling. Like, you can tell that this guy is going to be one of those guys where, you know, kind of like Lenny of Mice and Men, like he's going to pet the dog to death. Yeah. Like, I just just want you to love me. And uh, so the movie is about. The, the title Affliction deals with the affliction of violence in the family and uh, deals with him just losing his shit. He starts to get con- kind of conspiracy minded. Mm-hmm. There's, a sh- there's a shooting in the woods and he decides he's going to investigate it and everybody comes to tell him, well, it's pretty much cut and dry. And he decides that there's some people that he thinks it, it's some sort of conspiracy and everybody's like, no, it's not, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so the movie's not that interested in that. That caper—it's just you know that, that fucking thriller aspect. It's a character study. So that like my favorite part of this movie, dude. There's a moment when he just kind of blows a fuse, but blows a fuse in a way where he doesn't—he does—he can't move. And he's standing in the middle of the street with his hand out, stopping a school bus from going by, and he just can't move. Hmm. And pe- people start to gather, and he's just got the fucking scary Nick Nolte face, and they're like, "What is going on with your brother?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, he's just he can't take it you know he's just he's just this rage ball mm-hmm. anyway affliction i once saw it in ann arbor in the middle of winter uh i lived in toledo drove 2 hours to go see it and not a soul in the theater cuz it mm-hmm. was one of those movies nobody gave a shit about at mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. and then drove home at you know 2 in the morning and it was just like the, you know the end of days it was snowy out and i, I just thought this is this is a golden time i yeah. got to go see <laughs> I got to go see it and drive home in the, the bleak. Nobody's on the road. You know, yep. I was feeling feel pretty nulty.
1: Yeah, yep, for sure. <clears throat> so so First Reformed is a movie about a Catholic priest, an ex-soldier, right? Whose mm-hmm. uh, son, whom he convinced to go to Iraq, was killed in Iraq. Uh, and he is the proprietor of essentially a tourist trap. It's a, It's an old church that nobody goes to. But it's also, I believe, you know, the first church that was in that area, and it acted as a, kind of a a waypoint for for folks who were on the Underground Railroad, right? Mm. So they would hide slaves, and so it has a lot of this historical relevance. But everybody goes to the Abundant Life, big flashy church that's apparently right down the road, and so he is called out by Amanda. Is it Seafried, Seafried, Seifried? Yeah, uh, one of one of the mean girls, one of one of those uh called out by her uh to talk to her husband who's an environmental activist. And so Ethan Hawke's uh priest character goes to this guy's house and whoever played this guy did a really great job, right? He's got the scraggly mm-hmm. beard. He looks he looks like that guy, right? Yeah. He looks like this guy who is just absolutely being crushed under the weight of the world. So He goes on to tell Hawk's character all about, you know, stuff that most of us, I think, already are pretty much well aware of—that the world is pretty well and good fucked environmentally, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as time goes on, he's called. Well, go ahead. Well,
0: I just want to—I'm going to chime in occasionally. It should be noted that he's that that guy, the the environmentalist kid, who's losing it. What happens in that moment is that he's he's proselytizing to him, right? Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. he's converting the priest to a new religion, mm-hmm. and and we don't realize the importance of that moment until things start to progress. But that's why their their conversations are so interesting. Mm-hmm. You see that Ethan Hawke is hungry for a new religion, mm-hmm. and his his new religion is saving the planet rather than saving man Mm -hmm. and that's that switch is fascinating but go ahead
1: it is and we can we can totally get back to that but i mean basically what happens is that he he's called back a little bit later by the by the wife character again uh to find out that in the garage the environmentalist dude has been building a suicide vest like a a bomb vest Mm -hmm. and um they both decide to just kind of like get rid of it and not mention it um, unfortunately, like the day after that, after finding out that his wife knows that he made a suicide vest, the environmentalist dude sends Ethan Hawke a text says, Hey, meet me in the woods. Hawke shows up. The dude's blowing his brains out. All of this is first act stuff. It's not really like spoilers. I don't think, but I feel like most people who watch this show have probably seen the movies. Um, but anyway, so what begins after that, you know, Hawke has a drinking problem he has this kind of woman who's a bit clingy and he just kind of wants to be left alone. He clearly hates himself. And like you said, he he begins to take up this new religion of environmentalism. Right. And so he starts plant he realizes that uh one of the main benefactors of the church down the street, the big mega church, is this dude who runs one of these scary Uh, polluting companies he's like he looks it up online at one point and finds out that this guy is like number five on the list of offenders for you know pollution and climate change and things like that and so there's this great scene in a diner where him and this guy kind of go back and forth and whoever played that guy also great casting because he's just this complete dick bag he's this kind of Mm he takes up a lot of space in the booth like I love the way that scene is shot where Hawk is kind of, he's kind of squinched into a corner and Mm -hmm. this guy's, he's spread out. He's got all of his papers in front of him. His arms are, you know, he's clearly, he's
0: he's clearly an avatar for like a Midwestern Republican asshole man. Right. And they're
1: kind of going back and forth and debating it. And he's like, you know, well, the environment, this, that, and the other. And the guy's like, well, it's a complicated issue. And Hawk says, not really. It's not really that complicated. And, um, when you leave that scene, you're like, "Ooh, ooh, I want to see that guy get hit by a car." You know what I mean? Like they really yeah. they they sell his ass. Uh, I thought really it was well. come.
0: I mean, if you look at Schrader's uh, legacy, didn't you think you were you knew you were heading for the sort of meltdown you got? But I also thought I was heading for kind of like the Taxi Driver meltdown or the Blue or uh, was well, not Blue Hardcore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where the guy is with the, his daughters in porn. And it's like, he's ch- choking his way up the food chain. Yeah. Like I thought Hawk was going to like start dealing out some justice. Yeah, for <laughs> or, sure. Like rolling thunder. That's another straighter script. Yeah. Um, but instead we don't, he doesn't give us that. He doesn't give us that moment. And, uh, and
1: so I kind of like, instead of doing the rest of the plot <laughs> recapped, I kind of want to touch on a few things. The number one thing I actually do want to start on something that I have kind of a problem with plot wise, but not symbolically, Mm-hmm. I do understand that you know he, he turns out he pretty much has cancer because he drinks like a fish and his stomach is you know really bad. Um, oh yeah, I, forget, I forgot about that. There, there's a great, great shot in this because you know I love shots of stuff ha- just kind of happening where he pours Pepto Bismol into yeah, his whiskey but... and yeah. the and the pink kind of spreads out. It's this fantastic shot where it, it looks like a Lovecraftian creature like moving through some kind of viscous snot liquid. It's so great. That, that <laughs> shot is fantastic. But so the issue that I have with that is I understand that that is supposed to be allegorical in a way, right? Where, you know, he's taking up this mantle of environmentalism, but he's also destroying his own body. And it's kind of that push and pull, right? It's like he won't stop drinking because he likes drinking. The same way that these people won't stop destroying the earth because they like what they're doing, what they're getting out of it, right? Mm -hmm. I get that. But what I don't like about it is that it brings a Breaking Bad element to it. Like when he kind of finds out that he's going to die. I would have liked because, you know, spoiler alert, he does go off the edge, right? And starts planning Mm -hmm. a a mass killing. I think I would have liked that a little bit better if he just – If he he, had more more to lose. More to lose, yeah. If it was just th- the idea took him on so... Because, you know, what is Catholicism all about? Like, you give up, ostensibly, you give up sex, right? You um, you enter into this kind of rigorously self-disciplined um, religion. And so if he had a bunch to lose, but he just became single-mindedly determined to carry out his act in, yeah. in lieu of all that, I, I feel like that would have been more powerful.
0: I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying. And I, I must agree because I... I, I had forgotten the, the mm-hmm. illness part. Mm-hmm. But then I would also say that um, I, he, because of the religious aspect, he does have a lot to lose. You know, he's going to, he's damning himself if he does that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to assume, because at first I wasn't sure what was happening as far as his letters to himself. I thought, is this, is this happening? Is this a big flashback? Mm-hmm. You know, when he says, I told myself I would write these things every night and i thought is this is a big flashback and we're going to lead up to his meltdown or something um and then i thought maybe i missed a line in there where he said he'd lost his faith mm-hmm. um but i don't think that was in there um so i think if if it's not as easy as this here's this guy has lost his faith nothing to lose dying why not blow up a church i think he does have a lot to lose because if he does still believe in all these things, and he clearly does, based on the last scene, then he has a shit ton to lose. He is con- he is damning himself by doing it, right. and, and he's it is the ultimate sacrifice, right? Because that's it's not just him taking up the religion of environmentalism. He's also that's what's so clever about the movie is we just I, halfway through I thought this is amazing because here I have the most sympathetic portrayal I've ever had of a suicide bomber.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is essentially Paul Schrader's thesis on the Middle East.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: this is mm-hmm. why we can't, how do you judge the person who the, you saw the exact same, you can easily map it on to a, a suicide bomber in, in the fucking Middle East. Well, it because depends they, on what
1: they, you believe. Right. So, I mean, that's a really great point though. I mean, if you do believe, um, It's kind of – we might have touched on this very briefly in a previous episode. Maybe it was in my other podcast, but I just got so many podcasts, man. I just don't even know what to do. (laughs) But it's this kind of idea that like you know, if you are an abortion doctor, for example – or I'm sorry, an abortion um, activist, right? Like Mm -hmm. bombing an abortion clinic based on your logic and your morality makes sense because you're saving lives, right? Because they're literally murdering children in there, you know? So – in a way this is kind of it's like you said yeah i mean it's it's and the thing is is that he doesn't lose his faith his faith actually becomes stronger because you know he's reading that you know thomas merton guy and he's you know most of his when he does get into theological debates like with cedric the entertainer he's using bible Mm -hmm. verses to talk about like why it's important to protect the earth
0: right yeah he's just he's just found a new a new religion and he's and it his passion even though it's channeled in this other direction um it, it gives him a new lease on life that's kind of the breaking bad thing you know mm-hmm. he's he's rea- he's reactivated
1: um, did you did you not did you not feel though any chemistry between those two actors i was surpri- i never him and the girl yeah i, I thought i thought the whole time well no between uh, Hawk and c, c- Freed, like i just like the whole movie i i was surprised i was shocked the ending is um you know he's going to blow up the church and then uh, it turns out that this woman who he's ex- the wife of the deceased environmentalist shows up who he told not to come. And, you know, he kind of like freaks out. It's a great freak out scene. He screams into his, uh, into his cloth, right into his robes. And mm-hmm. then he <laughs> wraps himself in barbed wire, uh, pours out some Drano <laughs> and gets ready to end it. And then she shows up and then they start making out. And I didn't, even though yeah, they he, have that that scene where like she lays on top of him and they do that thing where they listen to each other's breath it that, seemed much more it seemed well, more platonic to me
0: well i think that and i did this to you with buster scruggs earlier it's like um i think it it lessens the impact of the end a little bit but i think it's to me i thought it's pretty clear he's dead and that his version of the afterlife is like a, an eternal kiss you know huh. they've already they've already hinted at uh, um, the supernatural aspect of of the movie by them floating when they were touching before, so that gives you the the feeling that the movie can go in a supernatural oh, moment. So, it,
1: so if she's there, does that mean he went ahead and blew the church up with her in it?
0: He did not. I I took he just chugged the Drano dude. Oh, you think, think he think chugged about, the Drano? Okay. He def he definitely did because he's tied to that sacrifice with his drinking they've the, the beautiful cloud we've already seen in his drink, they show it fall to the floor and they embrace and he doesn't drink it. And then they have a kiss that seems to last forever. He's fucking dead. And in, and in his, and it's kind of like the uh, hundred virgins or whatever, the suicide bomber gets the hundred. Oh, you know,
1: you're right. He, dude. he gets, he the, he his gets virgin. the girl. He gets the girl. Well, She's you know. pregnant, but you know, but still, right. yeah,
0: but he gets, he gets the girl. Mm-hmm. So, and I, you know, I, I assumed she was dead, and then I Googled it, and I'm like, first reformed ending, and of course, you know, a million idiots did the same thing I did, and wanted to know, is he dead or alive, and Paul Schrader, very smartly, does not answer that question, but in an interview, he said, um, first, he, he very he deflected it like they always do, and he said, basically, you know, your own interpretation, I leave it up to you to uh-huh. interpret Right. and then when pushed, I guess on a commentary track somewhere, he says, I don't know. That's what heaven looks like to me or something like that. Oh, and okay. I like, got gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But again, oh. like you said earlier, it's not up to him to interpret it. It's yeah. up to us to interpret that ending. So it's however you want to, if you think, you know, this shows a little window into your heart, your version is he blew up the fucking church.
1: Well, I'm just no. I'm, I, I did that off of what you said. I'm trying to pawn this off on me, dude. Come on, man. No, I thought. I thought uh, if he was dead and then she was there, then that would be. But like, no. When I was actually watching it, I don't. I don't go to. Um, I don't know. Things have to be spelled out for me. So if it's if he didn't like if he had taken a little sippy sip, and then she showed up, I would have been like, oh. But since he didn't take a sip, I was like, whew, just in the nick of time. But another interesting thing is, like, nobody could get into that door. That's the thing. Remember? Like, the other preacher is, like, Uh, trying to get in. He's beating on it. He can't get in the door. And then she just shows up.
0: Right. Yeah, Yeah, imagine what it looked like after it's all said and done. You know, it's a beautiful ending, but then if they should have a you know like one of those marvel post-credit stingers where it's just the cold reality of what you're looking at uh-huh. which is him covered in barbed wire bleeding through his robes with his throat you know sizzling yeah. and, and people screaming right. the, then then you play the fucking ironic credit musics you know yeah yeah
1: Like like Betty, I, oh, Black Bam <laughs>
0: Bam I feel so bad. I forgot the, all the classics he's been involved with. Um, some of my favorite movies, dude. Autofocus. He's mm-hmm. Autofocus. Mm-hmm. Like it, Willem Dafoe's skeevious performance in Autofocus. That's a Paul Schrader movie. Okay. And uh, and uh, Blue Collar. Probably, oh right, Blue Collar. Yeah. Probably my top ten. I forgot he directed. It. I knew he wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was his directorial debut.
1: Yeah, that's a great one. Um,
0: and then Cat People, if you were—if you grew up in the 80s, you watched the shit out of Cat People. Mm-mm. But I don't think he um, – that was a remake. But mm-hmm. that was a very pervy uh, werewolf kind of deal.
1: I just know about Cat um, People because in Scott Adlerberg's novel Graveyard Love, released by Brogdon River Books in 2015, Cat People plays a big role
0: in, in that. Tasty, probably mm-hmm. the Scott's smarter than we are, so he, he's probably talking <laughs> about the original Cat People and not the pervy 1982 remake. He absolutely is,
1: yeah. <laughs> there it.
0: we go. Mm-hmm. See that? Yeah. See, we know each other.
1: Yeah, for sure. We we know we know when we're beat. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, um, no. Any any other thoughts on on this one? Um,
0: I took no notes for it. Uh, oh I just God. knew. When it's when he started uh spacing out and looking at the cosmos and he had clouds in his coffee, basically I texted you and said, Right up your alley, dude, go watch this and I knew we'd be talking about it. Oh yeah.
1: That one uh, that scene was great too. I do I do love when um I don't know, I just really like when the moviness of movies is pointed out. You know, I love the title card in this movie where it's like in quotes and cursive. It's like and okay, I might have watched this movie wrong. I watched it on Amazon Prime, and it was in like the non widescreen format, where it was like in a box. No, no, That's no, right, no. Right?
0: I think he did. That's the thing, dude. I'm, I meant to mention this. This was like the most Kubrick-looking movie I've ever seen him do. All those, you know, Kubrick loves the center shit, and and he and Kubrick shoots full frame. He doesn't shoot widescreen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just like he kind of channeled his inner Oliver Stone last movie, I think he was channeling his Kubrick. Mm -hmm. Because I don't remember very ice cold, symmetrical architecture shots and big ceilings. And I think uh, I think that was intentional. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be full frame Mm -hmm. um, because there was no moments when anything was cut off, when they were panning around to keep anything in there. Mm -hmm. I think he wanted to look at it. As a as a you know an old timey TV, yeah. he wanted to he wanted he wanted a square. He wanted a symmetrical square. It does feel
1: more personal though too. There is something. It's so funny. I just got done talking to uh, Jeff Jackson for the other podcast about his book, uh-huh. and uh, he was talking about how he specifically played a lot with the form of Destroy All Monsters, like the actual print form of it, to like do an effect. Right. So he talked about how. He wanted to figure out a way to, like, it's in the third person, but he wanted to be able to get into characters' heads, and so he came up with this thing where you, like, there's some space, and then there's, like, a centered, italicized thought, and then you, like, start again. Anyway. Um hmm. But there is something with first reformed. The fact that it shot full—you called it full screen, full,
0: full, full frame, full frame. So okay. it's so it's the dimensions of original te- television yeah. sets, yeah. yeah. So it's not it's full frame, n- old
1: old TVs, not in our new TVs. And it did a few things. Like number one, it did make me feel like I was watching something from the '90s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it also um, it felt personal, but also claustrophobic, right? Um, yeah, for so, sure. so the, so the personal thing, it's like, it's where, where he's talking to the environmentalist, right? It's like, they're both on the edges of that frame. If there had been widescreen and we could see like, I don't know, the laptop behind him, but also like some of the window, like that kind of wide look. I mean, it works great for, for most movies, honestly, but this one, mm-hmm. I feel like the more intimate your movie gets, I think you do, you got to be in that little box, you know? You can't really, you can't, you don't have a lot of room to, even when he's out there, there's that beautiful shot of him walking in the, in the woods to go find the body and the, the violence, which by the way is, is very matter of fact, like that head blown open looks real, but it's, it's not, it's just there. There's no right. like dun dun dun. Everything just feels
0: so. It looks like something you'd find in the woods. Right. Like right. That. Right. Right. Everything like a sacrifice. It feels less. Oh, he gosh. was because that was his. It. That was his Jesus. That was his. He died for his sins, basically.
1: Whoa. I didn't Whoa. think about that either, dude. That's crazy. I, no.
0: I just looked up uh, First Reform Blu-ray and it says it's in full frame. So yeah, it's That's filmed that cool. way. It's that way on purpose.
1: That's dope, dude. I loved it though. I actually I wish more movies would go back to that. Um I like it I like just a little box with a couple of characters talking. I like a that's little why, box with something happening,
0: you know? That's why The Shining is amazing because The Shining's it's full frame and it's it's both claustrophobic but it, it's a contradiction but also gigantic. Mm-hmm. It's like it it keeps going up rather than right. going to the sides. Right.
1: And it feel it feels to me like widescreen obviously is great for your westerns, right? Your Mm-hmm. I, I guess, act, of course, action movies. You'd want that widescreen so you can catch the car- like everything that that's happening in the action.
0: Um, or, if you're, or if you're Quentin Tarantino, you want nice seventy millimeter giant film so that you can film just a face, and, right. a face eating stew and not oh, ever go outside. That's an interesting thought. <laughs>
1: like, what if Hateful Eight had been shot full frame? Right,
0: that might have been more yeah. interesting.
1: Right, like that might have felt more yeah. like a kind of a throwback play sort of thing.
0: But, but it's kind of like it is kind of a throwback to Sergio Leone's like fistful of dollars and, or the good, the bad and the ugly is giant, you know, 35 millimeter movie. Mm -hmm. And you see it on a big screen and people have taught, I've never, I wish I have seen it on a big screen, but I've never seen it in the theater, but I, but I can tell watching it at home, I have a pretty decent setup Mm -hmm. that you're looking right up their noses. You know what I mean? Like, even though, even though he could show you the, the entire universe on film that big, He's like, here is a giant face go right up the nose, mm, you know. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. so he, he, it's very oppressive, even though it's huge. He wants to show you that big Clint Eastwood, you know, Mount Rushmore fucking face. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, right. Which, which doesn't seem like a good use of it, but it's he he certainly made his mark by doing that, and I mm-hmm. think Tarantino was probably trying to do something similar, right, by using that giant. Um, the ability to have the world and and force you just to look at something up close. Yeah, I mm. love it.
1: Well, hey, that's all I got for this one. What about you?
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's it. I um, yeah, first reformed in that, the books.
1: That's that's not an Probably. almost good movie. That is a that is a very good movie. You think it crept into good? Did we ruin our branding? Maybe I don't know, man. Um, but hey, the episode's <laughs> almost good, so. <laughs>
0: It's going to because this this year has been certainly almost good, not very consistent. It's it's probably a good there's a good chance that you're going to see this on our top 10 list coming soon.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to do Bird Box next and then uh which that one looks to be not exactly receiving praise. Um so that'll be interesting.
0: And it's, I wonder if it's going to be a claustrophobic movie. It, what's interesting about that is I don't know if we should trust the reviews just yet, but it's um, and this is not just because I bought stock in Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even joking, yeah. Yeah. right? <laughs> but uh, because it's a Netflix movie, but it's in the theater, and I think that might have been not it. It might not play well in the theater, and that's where the reviews might be coming from. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder how it plays at home.
1: Oh yeah, and I don't, dude. I don't fucking listen to reviews anyway. Who get like. I'm sorry, I'm going to listen to these people, people who decided gonna, to make their lives professional movie reviewers. How embarrassing!
0: Embarrassing, dude. <laughs> grow up. Grow up. But, I, but on the the other side of that coin is, we are going to tell you exactly whether this is good or not. Like you can trust us. Oh, Adam totally.
1: D- yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you just because we, Josh Mallerman is one of my best friends. Uh, <laughs> I would never do that. Even though me and old Josh, we get.
0: We get drinks. Did you know he has a hit? He has a hit song. I didn't even know. He has a hit song. Like can the, can the universe stop giving him everything he wants? He has a fucking hit song out there. He's like a
1: really good looking guy too. He's like, there's a
0: move. This fucking show. Uh, is it called shameless?
1: Oh, with the one with, uh, what's the other ugly dude? What's his name? Yeah. 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 Uh, Uh, Jerry Lundegaard from Fargo. No. Oh yes, 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 yes. But what, but what is his name? Um, macy william h macy there we go okay so
0: you've seen the show so you've seen the show i know
1: of it i have not seen it but yeah
0: there's a snappy opening song that's fucking josh mallerman dude
1: dude some people are just talented you know now i now i hope it is bad i really hope it is bad we'll, we'll bring him down we'll bring him down to earth we'll take this dude down a notch or two no but if it's uh it does seem to me – that this is, this is my pre-speculation, okay? Maybe th- this might be cool to, like, talk about movies before we've seen them and then actually come back. Um, <laughs> my thing, though, is that, like, again, it's that whole um, Finding Nemo, Fishtail uh, kind of, like, synchronicity with A Quiet Place, right? It seems mm-hmm. very Quiet Place esque. So it's like did Quiet Place – I'm assuming it didn't green like this because Quiet Place just came out. There's no way they made this movie that fast. Is it parallel yeah, thinking? Like, I, don't,
0: like, I don't know. It's we're in the days of Netflix. It, it that turnover was fast. We were front row for once by because we were friends with him on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we got to watch we we have a good idea how long it took when to did, make that movie. I, remember I saw it a went, picture it, was of, he posted, it was fast. It
1: was fast. He posted a movie... picture on Facebook of like the director, chair that when was that? That was like a year ago, maybe? It
0: wasn't that long ago. I think this movie um, they probably make movies in just a couple months now, like two months. You think three really? I think fast. that's what happens. I think that's what happens. Hmm. My only my worry about that, I'm gonna have to go back. I'll save it all for when we talk about it. I the preview that I saw, I read the book. I read the book two years ago, I hmm. think. No, I, fuck, it was like five years ago. Was the so book I, was, good? I was still in Louisville. Yeah, the book's pretty good. Um, but I was in the middle of reading all those sensory-based horror books. I read uh uh, the Flame Alphabet and uh, Lullaby Lullaby, and um, Pontypool Changes Everything and Bird Box. So I was I was ass deep in fucking sensory-based uh, mm-hmm. horror and science fiction. Um, and so I was enjoying it. Um, but I watched the preview, and I'm not sure that this is actually following the plot of the book as far as what these things are. hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm a little worried. I'm a well, worried. I'm worried that we're that dealing you read with the
1: book. I'm glad that you read it. So you'll be able to 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 kind of talk about that because I have not. Uh, nor am I going to. Um, <laughs> it's just just one of I, those. It, things. it's going to be.
0: Well, I'm going to go you one better. I'm going to talk about my memory of the book filtered through my own jealousy. So who knows what? <laughs> Who knows what plot I'll be describing? It could be a it could be a fucking dream I had. And, and that's for what... all that,
1: tune in next week to Almost Good. <laughs>